Good morning, St. Clair Community Church. I hope this finds you well. What strange and unusual days we find ourselves in. May the Lord give you hope, health, peace today in the days to come. My name is Andy Grun. My wife Gwen and I have been coming to St. Clair for almost two years now. We have four children, and because it seemed to us that neither we nor St. Clair had enough little ones running around, we are expecting baby number five in early August. I work with the Greater Ontario House of Prayer, or GOHOP, here in Hamilton. We are a new monastic community that catalyzes prayer and discipleship in Hamilton and beyond. Some from St. Clair may know us from having gone through one of our nine-month internships or having joined us at one of our prayer events like the True City 24-7 Prayer Room, the Prayer Truck, or maybe you visited us in our prayer room in the basement of 541 Eatery in Exchange. Gohop shares in common with St. Clair that we are both part of the 24-7 prayer movement. And while we are saturated with news about the COVID virus breaking out, there are other things that are spreading quickly too. And that is prayer. Prayer is growing quickly in our nation and the nations around the world. And so I'm happy to take this time to talk about prayer. And I'm really thrilled that St. Clair is taking time to give focused attention to to prayer during the season of Lent. And it seems to me as a leader in the prayer movement that God is doing something unique and special in this day in calling his people back to prayer. I know that may be a strange way of speaking um, for some of us, but if you hear the stories that are happening abroad, you can really really get the sense that something different is happening. I I believe that God is beginning to draw his people to himself and inviting us to pray like we've never prayed before. And that the church really is, as Jesus said, is to be a house of prayer for all nations. And I think also there's a growing realization that's that's happening too, that we're realizing that some of the ways that we've run churches before and, and largely modeled after business practices, and though not all bad, but these ways of running an organization are just not enough when it comes to the house and to the church and people of God. And that we need to do things that are more in keeping with the kingdom of God. For we are the children of God, the people of God, and we live and dwell in a different kind of kingdom. And we do well to learn the nature of this kingdom, to know, to really know the king of all kings, to drink from the wells of the kingdom and live according to its practices. So let's talk about prayer. First, a couple questions. When did you learn to pray? How did you learn? Did you learn it from observing someone, a parent or a pastor perhaps? Or did someone teach you? And if you were taught, who taught you? What was that prayer like? What words were used? Since this is a podcast, this might be a good moment to stop and reflect on those questions. And perhaps this could be a good question for a mishfam or a missional family. And if you're new to St. Clair, a missional family or mishfam, these are clusters of people from St. Clair who meet together on a regular basis to share meals, to pray, and to spur one another on to love God and their neighbors. So this may be a good moment to pause and to reflect on those questions. So hold on to those questions. We will come back to them in a little bit. But let's start by, I want to talk about what prayer is. What is the heart of prayer? As I see it, there are two main dimensions to prayer. There's the inward dimension, 
and the outward expression. And we're going to start by talking about the inward dimension, the inward reality of prayer. In its essence, prayer is a heart-to-heart connection with the living God. It's personal. It's person-to-person. It is relationship. There is a contact between persons. And it does not require words. The words are often involved. And, on the other hand, like a relationship, there may be words, but yet no connection between the, with the persons involved. This is true like it is in worship. It's easy and, even, and to, it's easy and possible to sing, but not to worship. So at the heart of prayer, there's this inward reality, a real connection between persons. And the use of the word real is important here because it's a real connection, a real relationship with a real person. The one of the persons is unseen. Our Father in heaven, we say, and the Father who is in secret hears us. And here we must resolutely and steadfastly resist the lie, the materialist philosophy, which says that only the things we can see and touch and smell and perceive with our senses are things that are real. For God, is in, who is in secret and in heaven, is real, and there's a real relationship. Though, at the same time, it must be said that God still does manifest himself to our senses. For there are t- we can hear him, and there are times where God allows himself to be seen, and people do hear his voice even audibly. But regardless of whether or not we perceive God with our senses or not, it's a real relationship. Prayer is a most profound human activity. It's what makes us most human, I believe. Our capacity to be in relationship with God is one among several characteristics that sets us apart from the rest of creation, of those characteristics which include our capacity to create, our ability to laugh, our capacity to care for creation, Of these characteristics, the highest and the thing that makes us most human, I believe, is that capacity to connect with God, to choose God, to voluntarily be in relationship with God. Adam and Eve would routinely walk in the garden with God. What a beautiful expression of prayer. So the heart of prayer and the thing which makes us most human is this connection this personal connection with God. We are a long ways from Eden, and though our departure from Eden has damaged our capacity to connect with God, that connection, that vital connection, is available to us all and available to us at any point. God is very close to us. And in the heart of this connection, that is prayer. Because prayer is a personal connection, it is therefore founded on all the same principles that make up human relationship. Prayer has all the basic elements of what constitutes genuine human relationship and connection. So that raises the question, well, what makes a good human relationship? And that's a a question worth considering too. But I'll offer a couple things. Presence. Intention. Attention. Communicating to the other the matters of the heart, however simple or petty or important they may be. As a relationship, it also suffers when those elements are compromised or missing. 
Let's just talk about a couple of those elements. Presence, for one. Presence. Relationship needs presence. And as an example, think of human relationships. Think of a time when you're in conversation with somebody who is really listening, somebody who makes you feel safe, someone who makes you feel heard, listened to, the kind of person who asks follow-up questions, and they are intent at getting at the heart of the matter, or at least making a good attempt to understand. Now contrast that with the conversation with another person when, though they are physically present, they're not present in any other way. Perhaps their phone is just buzzed in their pocket. Or they're more obvious and they pull out their phone and answer, respond to a text or take a phone call. And though they're looking at you, or though maybe even the person is still talking, we know intuitively, we know the moment that they've checked out of the conversation. So there's a type of presence of being present to one another that's essential to relationship. And it's also essential to prayer. And then there's intention. Intention is essential too. My wife and I have a weekly date night, a regular touch point to connect. But more than that, we need regular times to check in and to share with each other the narrative of the other's life. Sometimes we go a day or two or more where that connection doesn't happen and we begin to feel it. We begin to feel disconnected. And then at those points, one of us, usually Gwen, will put on the kettle and it's tea time. And that's a moment where we need to put away our preoccupations. Sometimes email has to go away, the laptop has to be closed, food preparation for the next day has to cease. We sit down, we enjoy tea, and the question comes out, how are you? What's going on? Tell me about your day. So we need intention. We need to be intentional. And when these elements are present, the soil is prepared for connection. And at this point, there's a vital moment that happens in prayer. We, make a, we, 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 we close a great distance when that connection happens. We cross a great chasm. We go from the point of thinking about God to addressing God, to connecting with God. And it's a great movement and it's a thing of substance happens when that moment happens. We connect with God. I believe this can be personally verified from our own experience if you think of this example. Think of a moment in a worship service. And when I think of when I say worship service, I'm thinking of a worship service where there's music and there's singing in a corporate setting. So think of yourself in a in a worship setting where a guitar is strummed. The worship leader starts into a song that's familiar that you know. And you may find yourself singing that song. But though you're singing that song, your mind is a million miles away. You could be thinking of the events of the day before, maybe what's going on at work, maybe a recipe, maybe it's your children, maybe it's a boss, a coworker, whatever it is, but your mind is not there. But then at a certain moment, you come back to the song, you come to the words, and you begin to think or to consider that God is present, and you begin to address your words to God. And it happens all of a sudden that you go from thinking about God or something else to connecting with God. It's in a vital connection. And at that moment, prayer is happening. Prayer is happening. We're connecting with the living God. I offer you a quote from Dallas Willard. It's not an exact quote, but he says this, 
He says that God has built into the heart of every person a heart monitor. All of heaven bends its ear to the smallest sigh or word, and it's attuned to every tear and everything that's uttered and said, and even partial sincerity. Now, that's a loose paraphrase, but it's very beautiful, and it captures very much that connection between God, that when we offer ourselves and we intentionally bring ourselves before God, even in partial sincerity, that all of heaven rushes, all of heaven is attuned, God is present, He hears us, and He cares. Let me say one more word about prayer before we move on to the, the different expressions of prayer, the outward expression of prayer. And that is in prayer, like in other relationships, it's worth mentioning the things that pass between each other in that relationship. For prayer can be hampered as we sliver ourselves off and only offer a small part of ourselves before God. And in this place, I think it's again helpful to compare a human relationship with the relationship that happens between God and his people. Compare these two kinds of conversations or relationships. Compare a marriage that is 30 years and going and that's healthy and compare a job interview. In the case of a marriage, a healthy marriage, the partners in the marriage would offer themselves to each other in a deep way and they share with each other a broad variety of the things of life. They would share their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their anxieties. And you know the other's wounds, their weaknesses. And there's not much, if anything, that is, that is taboo or held out of conversation that can't be talked about. But then compare a job interview. In a job interview, you offer a very small part of yourself to the person who is interviewing you. You often ex- We often exaggerate ourselves, we exaggerate our skills, and then we hide or diminish our weaknesses, and we don't share much about ourselves. Now, obviously, a job interview is a very specific kind of conversation relationship, but sometimes that's how we act in prayer. We, we sliver ourselves off. We only offer to God a very small part of ourselves, only that which we deem acceptable. Or maybe we, we come before God and we think that he won't accept us if we bring our whole selves. But in prayer, we want to offer our whole selves before God. For God is the lover. He's the healer. He's the physician. And he's not offended and he's not put out by what we may bring to him. He knows it all. The scriptures tell us that he knows what we say even before we say it. In this regard, I find Psalm 139 is very, very, is very helpful. Many of us are familiar with the words from Psalm 139. There's these glowing phrases, O Lord, you search me, you know me, you know when I sit and when I rise. And it talks about how God is always present to us. And it talks about how precious God's thoughts are to us. Our precious, our thoughts are to God, sorry. But then, there's this, all of a sudden, there's this drastic change of tone. In verse 19 of Psalm 139, it says, Oh, if you'd only slay the wicked, Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. And they said, and it says, Do I not hate those who hate you? I abhor them. I, I have nothing but hatred for them. And it's this strong, vitriolic language. And then it closes with, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way within me and lead me to the way of life everlasting. Now, I used to stop 
reading this, this psalm at a certain point. I used to just read the nice words and skip over it. But I come to see that this is all one psalm. And I think everything that comes before the kind of the angry bits is the psalmist saying, Lord, you know me. You know that this, this ugly emotion is all inside of me. You know it. I can't hide it from you. And then he goes on and launches to say it. And then he finishes by saying, Lord, okay, here it is. It's all out in the open now. Search me, try me, know my heart. And if there's anything that offends me, let's deal with this. And there's no performance. It's, it's an opening of oneself, the opening of the whole self. There's a beautiful story that I'll never forget of a professor of mine at Tyndale Seminary. I was taking a short one-week intensive, and the woman teaching, teaching was about 70 years old, and she was this beautiful person. She was, as some would say, lit from the inside. And she was sharing a story, an event that happened in her life when she was in her 30s. For when she was in her 30s, she was um, expecting her first child. She was eight months pregnant. And both her and her husband were in vocational ministry. And uh, at the eight-month mark, they were given... Um, to their surprise, they were being told, asked to leave the place that they were renting from. And so they found themselves having to very unexpectedly and suddenly find a new place to live. And so they spent much energy trying to find a place. They were knocking on doors, calling people. And this is before Kijiji or internet searches for places. And after one particularly fruitless time of searching, she was just really really at wit's end and she was she was pregnant she was eight months you know expecting a baby and they didn't have a place to live and so she hung up the phone after being on the phone for a long time trying to find a place and she just lost it she just unleashed her fury before the lord and she let go expletives and just expressed to the lord her anger and especially that the lord wasn't taking care of her as she felt as someone who was trying to serve her and then after this storm passed, she sat down. She said she heard clearly, and I don't know if it was an audible voice or not, but she heard clearly the Lord say, I love you, and I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. And the voice was very tender. And the voice said, I've been waiting for a long moment for this, because I want you to know I love you even when you misbehave. So it was something to that effect. And uh, it was this profound tenderness it was, a, it was a, a life-shaping moment for this person. And, uh, and immediately the phone rang, and then they were offered a place. And they, the place they ended up taking was a place that they were able to purchase, and they lived in for a number of years afterwards. So it's a powerful story. And there's two things I take from that story that I, as I've meditated and thought about it. And the first is that that angry outburst was prayer. And though it may have offended us or tickled our ears or it would have made us blush, that was prayer. And if you read the Psalms, it actually reads a lot like the Psalms. You see in the Psalms many intense expressions of emotion. And it carries to a, a wide variety of life experiences. The second thing was the Lord was not put out by it. The Lord's response was not rebuke or lightning or, you know, it was actually blessing and it was kind words. Again, so often we sliver ourselves, we try to hide our emotions. The Lord knows what we want before we ask Him. And that whole preamble in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? And it says, you know my thoughts where they are. The Lord knows it. 
The Lord knows what's in our heart, and He wants us to bring it to Him. He wants us to just to recognize it, to acknowledge it before Him, to bring it to Him. And so I ask this question, can we offer to ourselves all of ourselves? Can we let the Lord know what we're thinking and what we're feeling? And instead of letting some of these things become the thing that keeps us from prayer, can it become the content of our prayer? Can it be the springboard for our prayer? For I notice when in myself, when I'm angry, I don't want to pray. It's the last thing I want to do. But sometimes I, I, I have been able to say, and sometimes it helps to say, Lord, I'm angry. I'm just angry. And I I'm angry at this person. They're irritating me or I'm just angry at this situation. And sometimes I just say, I'm angry and I don't know why. Help me. You know, can we bring this kind of emotion to the Lord? Can we bring our shame? Ronald Rollheiser asked, can we bring our lust? Can we bring those kinds of things? Or our fear and anxiety? This outbreak outbreak of the COVID virus is, is spreading like wildfire, but with it is also spreading the wildfire of fear, anxiety, and it's palpable. We can feel it as we go into the public places. But can we bring this to God? Can we admit it? Can we ask for help? At the heart of prayer is this person-to-person connection with God. It's just, a, it's just in human relationships, so with our relationship with God. And in, as we relate to God, can we bring our whole selves to God? As I said at the beginning, there is an inward dimension to prayer and an outward dimension. The inward dimension is the internal heart connection with God that encompasses all of our emotions and all of our lives. But then there's the outward expression. Once we've established the inward connection, there are many ways that that prayer can be expressed. Hundreds, thousands even ways that can be expressed. Prayers can be sung, whispered, or wept. They can be screamed or uttered in the silence of one's heart. They can be danced, journaled, painted. They can be in the form of poetry or autobiography. One of the greatest books in Western history is Augustine's Confessions. And in this, he tells his spiritual biography in the form of prayer. The whole book is a prayer. Prayers can be recited through thoughtful liturgies. They can be made in regular intervals. This is what the monks and nuns have been doing for over a millennia. This is what's called fixed hour prayers. Or prayers can be spontaneous. That's what we are most used to. There are a variety of postures that prayers can be made in. Prayers can be spoken with hands upraised. Prayers can be uttered in the fetal position. Prayers reverentially can be made while lying prostrate. The Bible makes many references to many different postures in prayer. But interestingly enough, and to my knowledge, the only posture not mentioned is sitting with your eyes closed and hands folded, in which to us is is the way that many of us have learned how to pray. At this point, it may be valuable to recount how you are taught to pray, for sometimes we get stuck in a very limited or truncated idea of what it means or what counts as prayer. For prayers can be made in a variety of ways, but sometimes we get stuck in the ways that we are first taught. For myself, it was a great discovery to find that I could pray with my eyes open. 
At first, when I learned to pray with my eyes open, I found it very uncomfortable, and I felt I was offending some adult who was lurking over my shoulder. But as I got used to it, it became a normal way of praying. And I should say, it's still a, I find it a good way to teach my children, and I do use that. But I hope as they get older, as they mature, they will learn that there's many other ways to pray. And that when you learn to pray with your eyes open, that just opens a whole realm of possibilities. For I learned that I could pray while I was walking, while I was driving. And then all of a sudden, life becomes a constant, um, life circumstances constantly prompt me or can prompt us to pray. If I, there was times where I'd be in no frills line, I see this, a cashier get, having a hard time with a, a customer and the line is, is going um, unbearable, the line is unbearably long. And it becomes an occasion to say, Lord, help this person through this day. I can't imagine what it would be like to deal with this person and then to have a whole lineup of customers who are, I get growing irate by the moment. Or there's times where I have my hands in the sink of, with dish, clean, washing dishes. And I recount my day. Or sometimes I may feel happy or maybe annoyed or frustrated. And as I recount my day, it becomes an opportunity to lift those things quietly to the Lord or sometimes out loud if I'm by myself. And so there's many different ways to pray. And sometimes in order to grow in prayer, prayer we, need to know, we need to learn different ways of praying. We need to expand our ways of praying. And different cultures pray in different ways. Some are more vocal and some are more quiet. And sometimes we pray according to our personality. Each of us has a different personality and we find different ways of praying more natural to ourselves. And so it's useful and helpful to learn what's the most natural way to pray for ourselves. What most easily brings us into relationship with God. Now, that's being said, it's also important to grow outside of what is most comfortable and natural. That is important too. Introverts need to learn how to pray corporately, I believe. And extroverts need to learn to be quiet and alone by themselves. But we all do well to learn different ways of praying and to go grow beyond those first ways that we may have inherited or inherited from a very specific tradition. For the tradition of prayer is deep in every tradition, whether it be the Charismatics, the Catholics, the Baptists, the Reformed. All of us have different ways we've learned to pray. And the other traditions offer a whole host of ways to pray. Or learn to pray and to ask, ask for the gift to pray in tongues. Praying in the Spirit is a very useful and fruitful way to pray. So it's, it's useful and helpful for us to grow in our prayer language. So finally, in closing. Let me offer just a couple thoughts and a couple ideas to grow in prayer. Number one, let us learn to bring all of ourselves before God, all of our emotions, all of our feelings. So if we're feeling something strong, feeling strong emotions, learn to notice those emotions. Don't judge yourself, but allow that, those feelings and emotions to become a springboard for prayer. If you're thankful, give thanks. If you're angry, say it. If you've done something wrong and you feel guilty or ashamed, confess it. Don't allow these emotions to become roadblocks or hindrances to prayer. It is difficult at first, but just try acknowledge that relation, that emotion before the Lord and just say it. Just say it. 
Number, number two, experiment with different kinds of prayer. Take stock of the ways that you've learned to pray and begin to expand that. If you're familiar with spontaneous prayer, why not try a liturgy like the Common Book of Prayer? Or maybe try with Celtic Daily Prayer. Or there's a couple different apps like Lectio 365. is a very good app from 24-7 Prayer that can help you pray in a liturgical kind of way. So experiment with different kinds of prayer. If you're in a corporate context, try praying like the, some Korean groups do, where they all pray at one time out loud. It may be uncomfortable at first, but try it. So experiment with different kinds of prayer. Number three, and maybe this doesn't apply to all of us, but like me, learn to pray with your eyes open. That was such a helpful way for me, to, a helpful learning for me. This is especially helpful for those who are doing prayer ministry. When you're praying for another person, it's very helpful to pray with your eyes open. Watch what's happening when you pray for someone. Someone may start to weep. The, the prayers you've offered may have touched something very deep, and you can ask follow-up questions. It's very helpful to pray with your eyes open, to notice what's going on, or to see what's happening in the world around us. If we see someone suffering or maybe there's something that we can't address immediately, but you can still pray for them. Pray on a bus if you see someone on a bus. Pray for the for the pastor or leader who's 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 giving a word. And we any moment we can give prayer, we can give thanks. Let our lives and the occasions of our life become occasions for prayer. And then fourthly, choose to pray. Sometimes we just have to choose to pray. We don't feel like it. We don't want it. Our emotions, our circumstances, our busyness say no. But sometimes we just have to choose to pray. It's just like putting on the kettle, putting on the tea, and sitting down. Sometimes we just have to make time and choose to pray. Thanks for your time. May you be blessed. May you be healthy. May you be filled with hope. Amen.